Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. Today, we're chatting with Shar Walker about a topic that is near and dear to my heart as a former military spouse, transition and change. Even if you haven't recently made a move, we ran the gamut on all different types of change like transitioning jobs, seasons, locations, churches, welcoming a new member of the family, and the list goes on. Sharp pointed us to the stability that we have in Christ and the home that we have in heaven if we are in Him as we continue sojourning on this side of eternity. So you'll know her a little better. Shardavia Shar Walker lives in Atlanta, Georgia with her husband and son. She works on staff at the North American Mission Board as the senior writer. Shar is a writer and speaker and is pursuing an MA in Christian Studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Shar, welcome to the Journey Women podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It's such a joy to get to chat with you today about one of my favorite topics, a topic that's permeated most of my adulthood. But before we get to that, I would love for the listeners to get to hear a little bit more about who you are and what you do. So what do you do, Shar? So I work full time with an organization called the North American Mission Board, also known as NAMP. And I work there as the senior writer. So I get to tell a lot of stories of particularly church planters and what they're doing on the field and the way the Lord is advancing the kingdom kind of in that sector. I also do a lot of writing on my own for different websites, but in terms of like my job and paycheck, that's that's what I do. Originally, I'm from Northern Virginia and grew up just outside of DC, but uh, my husband and I live in Atlanta, Georgia now. You mentioned moving yourself. I would love to talk to you about transition today and just to kick it off with you sharing about some of the transitions that you faced in your own life. You know, I've kind of noticed transitions tend to take on two different forms. There are the ones that are planned and relatively expected, and then there are the ones that are abrupt and unexpected. All transition and change can kind of shock our systems a little bit, but I have definitely seen the abrupt and unexpected ones do that in a unique way. But for my husband and I in particular, the last two years, I would qualify them as major life transitions. So we moved twice. And one of those moves was from Virginia to Atlanta, Georgia. And then we bought a house about a year after we moved. We had a baby and we both started new jobs. Probably six months ago when the dust was finally beginning to settle from all the change, 
it felt like I was exhaling for the first time in two years. And when you're in the midst of a lot of change kind of all at once, and our change was very positive, all of it was good things. It was planned. It was expected, all of that. But we were entering 2020. And I remember telling my husband, because people pick like a word for the year. Guilty. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, our word is going to be like settling or like kind of recouping or regenerating something restful. And, you know, I kind of declared like, as long as it depends on us, there will be no major change. And then, you know, obviously we're in the COVID-19 kind of pandemic season and that happened. And we both just kind of laughed because we we're like, the one constant, I guess, is that things aren't constant. <laughs> that is so true. I told you that this topic is near and dear to my heart as a former military spouse and someone who's moved an insurmountable number of times at this point. I can't even keep track, honestly, anymore. And I love how you pointed out that sometimes the abrupt transitions that we're not expecting are the most difficult because we just made this huge transition from Texas up to New England, 32-hour drive, really long way away, totally different context than what we're familiar with having lived in the South the majority of our lives. And then we got here and everything was settled, Char, and we went to the quintessential New England fall <laughs> festival and we came home and waboosh, our whole house was flooding actively. Oh and my goodness. Yes, we had to move out of our house. We'd only been in for two months, moved every single piece of furniture and all of our clothing and everything out of the house into storage and lived displaced in a hotel for three months. So yes, that one like floored me. And I was really thinking through like, what is the reason uh, for this in particular flooring me like no other transition has in my life? And I think the unexpected nature of it and the the lack of control that I had, I didn't have any control over how long it was going to take for them to repair our home. I didn't even have any control over how much my child was sleeping uh, as we shared a room, you know, together as a family. It was very, very unsettling. And I think a lot of our listeners are probably facing transitions of their own right now. Maybe theirs look different than ours. What are some other transitions that they might be facing? Yeah. So, you know, at the time of this recording, we've kind of referenced it a few times already. But what's unique about the transition of COVID-19 is that it has actually been a relatively collective transition that at the very least the United States, but I feel okay to say the majority of the world right. has been transitioning into. And probably everyone's experience of the pandemic has looked a little bit differently, but we're all probably feeling the same kind of elements of either high level or low level stress, anxiety. Some people are adjusting to working from home. Some people who maybe are single and live by themselves are adjusting to like things like not having contact with people like in the flesh. Or I asked a single friend recently, like, how are you doing? And, and I was like, is it weird to not have hugged someone in two and a half months? Some people are wrestling with that. Some people are working from home with children or now are responsible in a different way for helping their children in terms of education. And right. A lot of people are going through the economic transition of change and job loss. And I feel like, I don't know, in my lifetime, at least, there has been a collective transition like this, especially one that was so sudden. I had a friend ask, like, to go and try to find like your last picture when life was normal at the time. 
And like, what were you doing? And my husband and I were like, went out on a date at a restaurant and something at the time that was so normal. Now, if I, when I even see it, I'm like, should we be at a restaurant? Like what's going on? Like should people be there? Where's their mask? Everyone is facing a lot right now, especially as things change and continue to change. What do you think that enduring a transition and a change as significant as COVID-19, or maybe it's something else, maybe it's, you know, the death of a family member that you loved, or maybe it's a divorce. What do those transitions tend to bring out in us? Any element of change brings out things that were probably already there in a way that I have often felt when big changes, especially like this have happened, is it feels like we get put into a bit of a pressure cooker and stress and anxiety and fear start to press in. And like, I think what comes out and oozes out is stuff that was already there, but may not have been revealed or may not have been revealed as quickly had this situation like hadn't happened. There's a lot we could say by way of like what the Lord does in the midst of those things. But I definitely think it reveals the things we perhaps were already wrestling with. As you prepare for the summer, we want to share a unique way to introduce your non-believing friends to a local church, Skylark. If you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, you need to know about Skylark Summer Camp for your kids or as a means to supplement evangelism. Skylark partners with gospel-centric churches to provide summer camps as a means of childcare. By meeting parents' needs for summer childcare for kids having completed kindergarten through fifth grade, Skylark positions the local church to meet the spiritual needs of their community. They offer gospel-rich curriculum that is new each day of their summer camp. Kids can attend for one week, a few weeks, or all 11 weeks. Choose from one of their four locations offering a full summer program in Dallas, Plano, Allen, and Mansfield. The cost is $325 a week, but you can use the code JOURNEYWOMEN for 50% off every single week. What? Head on over to CampSkylark.com to learn more. That's C-A-M-P-S-K-Y-L-A-R-K dot com and use the code JOURNEYWOMEN for 50% off. I used to refer to military life where you have all these different transitions of your husband leaving and then coming back or maybe you're moving and you're facing a deployment. It's just so many different transitions. I would say it's like the illusion of control has just been like swept out from under you. Like, boom, you are not in control like you thought you were. We realize that we can't find our security and our hope in our circumstances, right? Because like you said, they're pretty much ever changing (laughs) despite what we might want. So what is it that anchors you in the midst of transition and change? God's word and his voice. I kind of wrap that up both in experiencing God through his word, but also experiencing him through prayer and then also his people. So first God's word and his voice. I just had my first child When I first had him, I mean, that was, there's a lot of change humans go through. That was one of the biggest. And I'm guessing it might have been because he's my first. It's kind of what you said. You're shocked out of the illusion of control because you're now responsible to some degree with this little life. And it sounds weird to say my intimacy with the Lord increased dramatically. And it wasn't because I was able to have my cup of coffee and my Bible and journal and sit 
30 or minutes to an hour every day and pray, which is so good and so beautiful. But my prayers were coming out of such a sincere place of desire for nearness to God, for help. I got to a point where I was like, I have to feed my soul. And I went into a kind of whatever it takes mentality. When he woke up in the middle of the night, I would go and nurse him. And I started keeping a set of headphones and would just listen to, there's a Bible app called Dwell that I really love. And I would just listen to God's word. And some of it I would hear and take in and be able to think about. And then as a lot of new moms know, or any mom, I'm sure sometimes you feel like maybe it went in one ear and out the other. And you're like, did anything stick? But it was such a powerful season, honestly, of intimacy with the Lord. So I would say as much as possible, cling to his word and what he says is true. I don't know if you feel the same way, but it's really hard for me to reach out to the Lord in the midst of transition. I want to check all the boxes on my to-do list and find some semblance of a rhythm or routine. And then, then I think I'll have time to cry out to the Lord and nourish my soul with the word. But transition and change is precisely the time in which we need to look to the Lord to sustain us and strengthen us for the task that he has set before us. It reminds me of that quote by Martin Luther that says, I have so much to do today that I'm going to need to spend the next three hours in prayer in order to be able to get it all done. As Char mentioned, times of transition and change probably won't be your most organized or picturesque times in prayer or Bible study, but our neediness presents a potent opportunity to humbly rely on the Lord and meditate on the truth of His Word however we can. As we do, we're reminded of who we are and how we ought to live in light of that reality, especially in times of transition when we are particularly prone to forgetfulness. What would it look like to prioritize reaching out to the Lord in prayer as quickly as you reach for your phone to send a quick text to a girlfriend? Or to reach for your Bible or Bible audio app in lieu of scrolling around on social media before unpacking a few more boxes? By doing so, we won't earn any spiritual brownie points, but we will be reminded of God's faithfulness to all of his people, even in the hardest places. While the chaos that comes with transition whirls around us, God's word is forever. It's firmly fixed in heaven. The Bible is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work, even unpacking boxes. It is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And if we neglect to hold fast to the truth of God's word, we'll be overcome with despair, especially in the midst of change. And we'll fail to act in light of what God has done for us through the person of his son when he made our dead hearts alive, bringing us near by the blood of Christ, who is himself our peace. As we navigate transition and change, let's plant our feet firmly on the unchanging, everlasting Word of God. One danger of, of change is that I think we could be probably more spiritually vulnerable than we realize, especially as it relates to envy. When we moved, this happened to me, I would see kind of the stability other people had, and I would see like, wow, they were able to buy a house and they look so settled and everything looks so like polished and clean. And, 
you know, I was unknowingly beginning to envy and compare the lot that I felt like God had given me to what he had given to other people. So I think being steeped in God's words kind of helped protect us from the envy that can kind of begin to creep in. The second I would honestly just say is do not as much as possible underestimate what I believe is God's greatest gift next to Christ, which is his people. We are so hardwired and created for intimacy with God, obviously, but deep intimacy with others. And I would say when we, especially when we moved to Atlanta, we didn't know anyone and we got plugged into a church relatively quickly, which was God's kindness to us. We got plugged into one that cared so, so deeply for this sense of togetherness and family and belonging. And it was so weird. Everyone said the hardest thing about moving, which is true, is the relationships and trying to rebuild those relationships. And that was hard. But I felt like we met people who loved Jesus, who we were getting to know, but invited us into their community in a way that was like we were family. You know, and our pastor says this, the church isn't like family, it is family. And that is kind of what we felt. What has kept me anchored by far is close relationships and then being tethered to God's word. And those close relationships, if they're believers, are going to probably often point you back to God's word. Also, the word points you to the church. And I'm studying Ephesians right now, and it just like massages my heart for God's people. And it makes me want to love what God loves. And like you said, he's our father. We've been called into a family where he is our father. And it's really an amazing thing to nestle ourselves in the context of like the greater body of believers. And then also to do that, like you're saying, when you're studying God's word, to nestle ourselves in the context of not just like the greater body of believers, but the whole story of redemptive history and all of the believers throughout all time. So I would love to talk about that a little bit. Like, where do we see God's people navigating transition and change in the scriptures? Yeah, that is an excellent question. So I would start with, it's all over the Bible. And I would really challenge, and I've begun to do this, to read the Bible kind of with that lens of like, where are these like major pivots or plot points as some people might call them that are happening in God's word? One of the biggest I would say is when Adam and Eve are placed outside of the garden and we don't have a lot of detail on that, but I can only imagine that they were in all they knew was close intimacy with God in one another in a world that had great potential and beauty and all of these things. And then they're cast out of that. You know, we don't know the time frame between that and Cain and Abel, but Cain then kills Abel and there is death. And I can't imagine that stark contrast between two realities. You have God's people who get exiled uh, into another, into other countries and Jesus. I mean, that's a huge transition when part of the Trinity of Jesus goes from heaven and becomes a man when he's crucified Jesus is crucified on what we call Good Friday now. And then there's Saturday. And we don't have like a lot of details of Saturday, but we can assume the transition that the disciples and Jesus's close followers were going through was traumatic. I mean, at least traumatic. I can't imagine that. But one of the biggest transitions that I'm seeing in God's word that I've been studying 
in particular has been just the story of the Israelites, honestly, from Abraham to as they're beginning to inherit the promised land. I try to read the Bible once a year. I'm already behind, so it will probably be once every year and a half, which is where I am at this point. But as I've kind of seen God kind of call these group, this group of people, the Israelites to himself, I started to realize he basically took a nomadic nation. God called Abraham, but it took a long time before they actually entered the promised land. But you have this nomadic nation and eventually it gets to the point generations later where they're actually about to inherit the promised land. And it's like, I'm sure they're pumped. I have to imagine like, they're so hype right now. This is it. Like God has told us this would happen. And this is actually happening decades later. But I kind of, as I've been reading the Old Testament, I'm realizing three big things about transition that make them hard. One of them that I, I believe the Israelites probably experience is that the rules and the expectations seem to change on us when transition happens. So the Israelites, they didn't have a good experience in Egypt. Exodus 1 says repeatedly, like they were treated very harshly, that the Egyptians were cruel taskmasters. It was not positive at all. But then like they leave, they're in the wilderness and all of a sudden are like, why are we here? Apparently Egypt had great food because that's what they remembered. They're like, we want to eat all these things. Why did you bring us out here, Moses, where there's no food and no water and we have a bunch of gold? They're frustrated. And this is me. I have to imagine. So I'm projecting slightly, but I believe that they, at least when they were in Egypt, they probably knew what they could expect. They probably knew what they had to do to get to the end of the day to get the food that they need. It was probably relatively predictable, although it wasn't good. And I think that if we're honest, well, maybe this is me. I would like nothing more sometimes in transition of a nice list of what I should and shouldn't do. And if I do these things, this good thing will happen. And if I don't do these things, this bad thing would happen. And I think especially in transition, we're launched perhaps a little bit more into the gray of life where we are forced to trust the Holy Spirit for both wisdom and discernment and to know what to do for that appropriate time. And like you said, there is a different element of, we probably realize our lack of control in these moments. And again, I think that the Lord is pushing us and forcing us to trust in Him. And the second thing in terms of why transitions might be hard is because they really do launch us into this like strange in-between of life. And so I just finished Leviticus. And at that point in their history, the Israelites are kind of in this weird stage where they're out of slavery but they haven't quite gotten to the promised land yet. And I think in the place of transition, especially if listeners are in that, it can be a place of lament, honestly. And lament is an ancient form of prayer, basically, that cries out to God for hope. But the nature of lament sometimes is that there's not an immediate answer right away. So there's just kind of this continuous, perhaps even grief that's connected to it. It sounds weird to say, especially in America, because America, we're, we're probably used to prospering. But I think biblically, that's a good place to rest. Hmm. And the in-between where you're wrestling. And honestly, when I brought up Christ being crucified on Good Friday, you have this weird day of Saturday. It's in between Good Friday where Christ is crucified and Resurrection Sunday. But I feel like most of life has probably lived in that in-between of Saturday. Well, it's grief. 
it's sadness. You know, the disciples, I imagine, are kind of a little bit like, what in the world just happened? He was supposed like, he is God. How did God die? We're very confused right now. So yeah, transition can be hard because it launches us in that in between. But I, the last thing I will say as it relates to why transitions might be hard in the Israelites is what everyone knows, which is the unknown is just really scary. And seasons of transition tend to have a lot more question marks. And we start to ask ourselves, how am I going to get my blank? How are we going to get our the money we need or the food we need or whatever the case may be? You know, fear is what drives many people. And this is not a shame statement. It drives many people when the pandemic was happening to go to the grocery store and load up on whatever they can find because they're wondering, there's a scarcity mindset, how am I going to get my blank? And I think what we want in those moments, and even what the Israelites wanted, is we want to know our provision will not have an end. And interestingly enough, though, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus tells us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And I personally want my yearly and monthly bread. You know, we want a yearly and monthly promise right. of provision. Subscribe and save. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, just keep keep it coming. You know, we want to know our needs will be taken care of. But God promised to, promises to give us what we need emotionally, spiritually, holistically, what we need today. His mercies are new every morning, and yet um, is such an act of humility and dependence and faith for us to actually walk forward in believing that. And I think you're right. Transition like catapults us into this realm where we really have to uh, like acknowledge that maybe more. Maybe that's just more in our face than it typically is, especially living in this part of the world, like you're saying, what are some of the passages that you reach for in the middle of transitions that you've navigated, whether it be COVID-19 or when you had your baby or when you guys made uh, the big move all the way to Georgia? The first one that probably comes to mind the most frequently and the one that came to mind first when COVID-19 particularly happened is Psalm 112. And I think, I believe this is verse 7. And it's a description of the righteous person. And it says, he will not fear bad news. His heart is confident, trusting in the Lord. And I think in times, like we've said, of transition, it will reveal what our heart is confident in. Is is our heart confident in our savings account, our 401k? Those aren't bad. But the verse is specifically saying the righteous person isn't fearing the unknown of the future because of their trust being in the Lord itself. Again, not that those other things are in and of themselves bad. They just make really bad gods. They're they're crummy gods. Isaiah 33, 6 talks about God being the stability of our times, him providing abundance of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. And honestly, any verse in Psalm that talks about the Lord being our light, our salvation, a strong tower, an ever-present help in our time of trouble. Uh, Psalm 30 says, when I was secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you showed your favor, you made me stand like a strong mountain. And that is what our family has been praying. Probably more than God gets out of this, even though there have been those prayers too. Like we're kind of tired of 
we're kind of tired of the season. But it's like, Lord, would we actually stand like a strong mountain? And would our neighbors actually see some elements of difference in what we're trusting in? Mm-hmm. I love how you brought up that the Lord has a plan and a purpose in the midst of our transitions. I always think about the verse in 2 Corinthians where Paul is talking about us being ambassadors for Mm -hmm. Christ. You think about an ambassador, this is somebody who is sent. So it's really encouraging to me in the midst of my transitions to think about the fact that someone is sending me, that there is purpose in me going wherever I am, even if it looks like me going right into my living room after we finish this conversation, because I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) But I have this message and the message is be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. And I love thinking about even the Great Commission where Jesus is saying, go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've committed of you. There's like an element of transition and going and movement there. And I think it's really encouraging to remember that, yes, like you said, transition and change has marked like the people of God throughout all of redemptive history. And we have somewhere that we are going, like we are going somewhere with purpose. That's been a great encouragement to me as I've navigated transition and change. I know your little person is probably too young to be able to recognize and acknowledge (laughs) transition at this point in his life. How did you and your husband come together and help one another navigate the transitions that you were facing? And what do you think it might look like for us to come alongside people in our lives as they're navigating transitions of their own? Yeah, my son is probably just super pumped that we're both with him all the time. You know, as my husband and I were, to some degree, it felt like weathering the different seasons we were going through. I started to realize, honestly, we both respond to change pretty differently. And in different times, I noticed that I actually, when I'm in it at the moment, I'm kind of just surviving. I'm not necessarily the most self-reflective person anyway, but I'm not necessarily thinking about how hard it is, but I will usually get to a point. I reach a point where I'm like, I am exhausted. And I just realized I've been tired the last six months. The pressure cooker's done. You ready to release the valve. All right. Exactly. Our um, time frame to that point varies. My husband is definitely, he is a lot more laid back and easygoing and kind of, I honestly think because he probably processes a little bit more as he goes, his buildup isn't quite as intense where I like tend to hit a wall and I'm like, what is happening? He kind of, he releases and honestly trusts the Lord as he goes a little bit better than I do truthfully. But I would just say to recognize people process and deal with change at different paces and in different ways. And I think for us, we regularly were checking in and we've kind of made that a habit. We know we're either going into a season of intense change or transition. We make it a habit to regularly check in on like, how are you doing personally, like holistically, physically, emotionally, spiritually? And then we've started zeroing in on each of those categories. We know that for my husband, change usually tends to, well, I don't want to say hurt him, but like if there's an area of his life that's going to suffer, it's probably going to be physically, like mm. more likely to forget, oh, I need to take care of myself and eat healthy and exercise and things like that. Mm-hmm. 
Whereas I think for me, it might be a little bit more emotional. Like he's checking in on me emotionally where I'm probably a bit more tend to neglect things that I should be checking in on emotionally. Like what are my emotional needs? How am I, how am I like being honest about what those are, et cetera. Such a good reminder to me because Brooks and I have navigated so much transition and change. Sometimes even right now we have three kids, five, three and 15 months. And it's like just taking the time to reflect together can be a real challenge. So I really appreciate that exhortation just to check in with each other as a means by which to know each other and to be able to pray for each other, care for each other, and to walk in, you know, relational unity as husband and wife in particular. And I think it's a great exhortation for kids as well, because a lot of times I just don't want to be inconvenienced with the reality that comes with transition and change, which like you said, I just don't want to be inconvenienced with the grief that comes uh, with transition and change. And that often, like you said, presents differently and you don't have any control over how long it's going to take to process it or when it's going to come up. You just have to, like you were encouraging us to do, really extend a ton of grace. Thank you for that admonition. What hope do we have as believers in the midst of transition? What is it that we get to look forward to? So one thing I've noticed is we can learn a lot of theological concepts and maybe store away verses for scripture memory and not, they not necessarily hit us in the moment we're learning them. And I see those moments as you're storing away things in your back pocket, because there is probably going to be a season where you're going to need that. And it's going to hit you in a different way. I I always say those are kind of the times those certain verses tend to come alive. Like we're reading God's word and a certain verse maybe marks a season. And when I read that verse now, I always think back to a certain season where it really spoke to me. But anyways, I think it's preparing us. These verses, these things we're storing up are preparing us Uh as we're storing these things up. It's that God does provide stability in himself in the midst of an unstable world. Yep. And One day, this is probably the biggest hope for Christians in the midst of everything. One day, he really will bring us safely home. And I imagine this is, again, me imagining what will be beautiful about heaven being with God and with his people is that I imagine there is to be a mixture of both adventure and security. There's something in us that loves discovering new things or making new things, or those are the good aspects of change and the joyful aspects of change and creation and stuff like that. But there is something in us that desires the security of being able to come home, go to a place, home being the place where we ideally would feel like we belong the most. And I think God is offering his people that, that sense of belonging, that sense of home in himself. And so what's beautiful about heaven is we will be with him. Every Christian, that's what we're excited about, I hope. Every transition we face will look a little bit different, but there's something familiar about them too. They all seem to make us long for home. It's particularly tender when you're miles away or when you've recently lost the person who felt like home to you. But a longing for home really is a good desire. It's just not something we experience in full on this side of heaven. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come, as it says in Hebrews. 
our desire to feel settled and comfortable reminds us that this world actually isn't home to the people of God, who since the beginning have been marked by transition and change. Think of Adam and Eve, Noah, Abraham, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, King David, and the prophets, to a time of exile in which the Israelites yearned for rescue and their coming Messiah. And all of that pointed to the greatest transition of all, God himself taking on human flesh and coming down to earth to dwell with us. The promised one, Jesus, who lived a life we never could, died in our place and intercedes for us at the right hand of God even now. There, he beckons us softly and tenderly, come home. In the midst of seemingly constant transition, we remember that we have been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that regardless of our shifting seasons is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Our longing for comfort and stability points us to the hope of heaven, a better home, an eternal one. Yes, the life of the Christian is marked by transition and change. But more than that, the life of the Christian is marked by the hope that we have in Jesus. If we are in Christ, we are seated with him in the heavenly places even now. So wherever we are today, may we find our true and lasting home in him. Amen and amen. This ain't our home. Uh, So when you're feeling homesick, it is for good reason. What's one practical step that you would encourage the listeners to take after listening to this conversation about transition today? You know, it's hard because transitions are so broad. So perhaps everyone's transition is different. I would say as much as possible, lean into community. I just really do believe other God's body and his people are one of his sweetest gifts to us. Don't underestimate the power of that. And if it's a move where, you know, obviously relationships take time to develop, I would say do whatever it takes to try to get plugged in with a local church that's healthy and all of that stuff as quickly as possible. Do whatever it takes to get connected to God's people. Mm Mm-hmm. You are talking about one of my soapboxes, so I'm not going to stand up on it right now, but I completely agree with you. And we have a ton, actually a ton of resources on our website because it is so vital to the life of a believer. Um, I'm not going to get on my soapbox. (laughs) (laughs) It's just been a joy to get to talk to you about this topic that has so permeated my adult life and to get to hear your perspective on it. I am refreshed uh, with the truth of God's word, which is firmly fixed in the heavens, as you mentioned. And I'm so thankful for his word. That's definitely one of my simple joys. I'd love to hear from you just as a means by which to get to know you a little bit better on a personal level. What are three of your simple joys? A long hot shower. I'll say that. Yeah. yeah. With a podcast. That's even like better. Really, really fun. Okay. So you have a couple more simple joys. Hot shower and a podcast. I won't make those count as two. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Orville Redenbacher popcorn. Popcorn is like my favorite snack. I eat it almost every day. So good. And then um, probably reading a historical fiction book with a soft blanket on cold nights. Okay, now I have to ask favorite historical fiction because that's also my favorite genre. Yes. So recently that I read, I probably would say, is it All the Light We Have Not Seen? Yes. That's my favorite historical fiction in the last like three years. 
it won like a really noteworthy prize that I can't remember off the top of my head. But man, yes. it's the perfect blend, isn't it, of what was going on in history, but it's not like so sad that it totally yes. derails you from doing your everyday life because sometimes I can't handle it. I'm just saying, especially as a mom, the emotions are yeah. running too thick. That's how <laughs> I read, um, this was a couple years ago, but like The Nightingale, I think it was what yeah. it was called, which is a similar, I think like- Yeah, World, World War II, II yes. Era. That one like- uh, I just cried. It was hard to like get back to work after that. I was, yeah. Yeah. I need a good balance there. So yeah. we'll have to share book lists later. We share similar simple joys, though. I have confessed on the podcast that I am not a shower girl. I'm a bath person. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, man. I blame my parents and my upbringing okay. um, who have had such a great impact on my journey with Jesus. And after hearing from you today, Shar, I would love to get to hear from you who has had an impact on your own journey with Jesus. This was such a hard question. It sounds so cheesy to say, but honestly, I think like my husband. I love that. Of course. He's been a place of unwavering love. I've read a lot of books on like emotional health and psychology and almost every book says human beings greatest need is to emotionally anyway, is to feel like they belong. Hmm. And I would definitely say I have found in many degrees a sense of safety and belonging in my husband and in my marriage. And it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And if I'm completely frank, we're kind of coming out of a pretty hard season of marriage. But I've always felt a sense of safety to be who I believe God has been wiring and designing me to be. I love that so much. So many great things from this conversation today. Thank you so much for joining us on the Journey Women podcast. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here with you. You guys, believe it or not, this wraps up our summer series here at Journey Women. When we plan these conversations, we prayed they would offer you a breath of fresh air by pointing you to the good news of the gospel. If we achieve that, we would love for you to let us know by leaving a review on iTunes. Doing so will help get Journey Women into the hands of other women on their journeys to glorify God. Make sure to follow us on social media at Journey Women Podcast so that you won't miss out on special announcements about our next series launching September 14th. Today's episode was mixed and produced by Chad Michael Snavely. We are so grateful for him and for you. It's a joy to get to journey alongside you guys. Can't wait to see you here later this year.